It's that time of the day. It's the Forestry Sports Show. Let's get it. Welcome back to the 4th Street Sports Show, back in studio for the first time in three weeks. Uh, last week, spring break for us, and then the week before, we had the guys in Pensacola covering the Sunbelt Basketball Tournament. In Southern Miss Sports News, baseball dropped the series to Texas State. The basketball team lost in the first round of the NIT, and softball is in a slump. But first, I want to bring in our co-host here to my left we have got Dima Mixon. Dima how are you today? I'm hot it's kind of hot <laughs> in here. <laughs> it's a little hot in the kitchen right yeah, now that's no. for sure. And Austin didn't even show up man. Yeah Austin he is uh <laughs> finishing an assignment. <laughs> or he's at the club we yeah, don't know we don't for know. sure. Well uh, Nathan's here so he's not with him. Yeah. Austin actually was clubbing in Orlando <laughs> if we want to if we want to make jokes about Dima we can actually say there uh, is Austin. no more jokes yeah. about me in the shrimp club after what happened. No more in jokes. Pensacola. What happened in Pensacola? <sighs> For another day. We'll, yeah, for we'll another day. For what happens there? That's four, Fourth Street after dark. Right? Yeah. But yes, we got Charlie Luttrell here as well, wearing a Hawaii shirt as always, yes, styling you know, and profiling. Since it's 85 in here, <laughs> uh, it reminds me of the beaches of Oahu. You know, just sunny and breezy. It sure feels I like it. Up too breezy in here. <laughs> I don't know about you. I mean, we had the windows open, but we had to close them for obvious reasons. But yeah, maybe it'll get down to like 78 by the time the show gets rolling. And <laughs> for then, context, the thermos. <laughs> I think it's broken. Yeah. <laughs> it's 85 degrees in here right now. Something we're happens. We're so dealing. Four Street Sports Show is the hottest show on the radio That's right it. now. And then, as always, we've got the Nate Dog doing the video live stream, the man with the plan. And we've got a packed show for you today, but we're going to jump right into our eagle eye. Dima, I believe you're going to talk baseball to us. Yeah, let's talk baseball. Uh, unfortunately for baseball, Southern Miss fell out of the top 25 after losing their opening series in the Sunbelt Conference to Texas State. Um, I'm sure everybody who listens to the show kept an update with that as I watched all three games. Um, uh, Friday's game, the classic pitcher's duel. Um, so I miss pretty much controlled the whole game. The two runs that Texas State got were kind of on a really weird play that uh, Tanner apparently thought that there was one out, but there was actually no, there's two outs, so the it was a ground ball to Tanner. He tried to throw the guy out at home plate, which ended up getting into a weird, like, toss back and forth, and two runs scored. Regardless, Southern Miss won that game. Tanner Hall pitched well, but Cross Sively came in and pitched really, really well. Uh, you'll be hearing more about him later, I'm sure, in our flower section. Um, Southern Miss on Saturday, uh, kind of the staple of the season so far. Um, Ten hits, uh, but only two runs to show. Yeah. Uh, they had a huge moment uh, at the bottom of the sixth, or top of the sixth. They had men on second and third with no outs, and they didn't get a single run in, which was kind of the difference, in, which was the difference in the game right there. Uh, then Sunday's rubber match, uh, just a terrible outing for the for the for the pitching staff in general. It says bullpen here, but just for the pitching staff in general. Yeah. I mean, anytime your starting pitcher is pulled in the third inning, right? The third inning. I mean, you're in for a long day. Thirteen walks, which is a season high. Uh, I had to look back. Um, yeah, you put it yeah, I couldn't see where um, the last time that happened. Yeah. I just found that the 
last time they allowed double digits was in uh, 2019, yeah. so almost four four years uh, to the date against South Alabama, which is a team you know they've struggled with. Yeah, and that 13 does not account for the hit by pitches too, which I think they had two or three yeah. of those. So, Rough. man, you're putting 16 people on base when you have a really good lineup in Texas State. I mean, this is a team that's picked number two in the Sun Belt. Um, they call it Slam Marcos. Um, yeah. But, I mean, some of this pitching only gave away up one home run, but you can't walk that many people and expect to win a rubber match. Uh, but Southern Miss has uh, a date with New Orleans tomorrow night. It is said to be sold out, which to me doesn't make a lot of sense, but it is sold out apparently down there in New Orleans tomorrow night. Uh, Southern Miss eviscerated them last time they played, uh, 12 to nothing. Um, so we'll see uh, it, if that is the same result tomorrow night. New Orleans did put like 35 runs on. 35 to 3. 35 to yeah. 3 on a team they played like a week ago. The so. night after yeah. they suspended that um Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, but then this weekend they'll return home for a conference series against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is 10 and 10, but they did host a regional last year. So uh, still a formidable opponent yeah. for the Eagles. As the scheduled man just doesn't get any easier <laughs> at any point. So, because uh, next Tuesday, you know who's on docket, the Ole Miss Rebels. So, but that's your baseball Eagle Eye recap. Thank you, Dima. And for Southern Miss fans out there, it's not time to overreact just yet. Texas State's a really good team. And oh, yeah. It's hard to win a series. And they against... really could have swept. Yeah. I mean, they had opportunities in all three of those games. They had opportunities. They were definitely good enough. But that's also, like, a top at least top three team in the Sun Belt, if oh, not yeah. better. I mean, that so. could be the that, that could be the title game. Exactly. So. so it's not time to overreact On the road. just yet. On the road, yeah. good ball club. But we're going to talk about softball now. And Southern Miss softball's competition has been ramping up, and they have not been able to respond just yet with the victory. The team is now 15-9 and nine after dropping a midweek home game to Ole Miss and losing their opening conference series against the number 23-ranked Louisiana Raging Cajuns. The Golden Eagles held a lead for the majority of two games against the Raging Cajuns, but they allowed a nine-spot Sunday in the final inning and three runs in the final inning of the opening match. Pitching has kind of struggled lately. I know Morgan Leinstock was kind of holding it down uh, there to begin, but it's kind of really the lack of depth, I guess, so to speak, is really catching up. And, you know, these are kind of the struggles we expected this year. They started off strong, but this is it's more of a rebuilding year, I, I would say. Man, and it comes straight off of that crazy week that Morgan yes. put up. I one fourth street play of the week. Yeah, yeah. one fourth street play of the week. But, I mean, that's something we were talking about, just the pitch count. She mm -hmm. was... She was almost up to a thousand pitches of the season already, and uh, they really haven't put Paige out there that much. They, I think they only played her a couple of innings this week, so it's like besides Morgan, all you have is Jaina to pitch. And yeah. going against, you know, uh, give credit to Louisiana. You know, they're mm -hmm. a, probably a top twenty-five team uh, in the country. They've got that merit, and they're number twenty-three right now. Could move up, so definitely formidable formidable opponent and they were able to kind of stay in those games they actually led through them uh and the difference though was at the end of those games they kind of just fell apart and yeah. i think lots of it is just that's, that's just such a high you know demand for your starting pitcher so we'll have to see but uh it doesn't get easier for them no it certainly does not because they go on the road with a series at marshall they are undefeated at home and 22 and 3 on the season but wait, there's more. They are on a 12-game winning streak, so uh, certainly a tough road ahead for the Golden Eagles in softball. Yeah, so other sports in action. Uh, track and field actually opened their outdoor campaign, South Alabama Invitational, this week. They had six PRs and five first-place 
finishes and beach volleyball while a couple of us us, us were on the beach um they were actually spending their spring break on the sands of tucson arizona so no beach there so just sand volleyball i guess but uh they lost three matches there one against arizona christian to stay above 500 on the season and up next they go to baton rouge for the 2023 lsu beach invitational with matches against uno spring hill and three top 15 programs in florida state washington and lsu so that's really something we're seeing all across the board right now is some really tough opponents for southern miss teams Men's tennis lost their conference opener at Coastal Carolina, but the women's team also picked up a 5-2 win against Texas State. And both golf teams are actually back in action. Uh, the women just finished their tournament. I know uh, Momoka Ando finished uh, the top finisher for the Golden Eagles. She finished uh, 33rd place, one of her best events of her career. And men's golf are actually just starting the All-American Collegiate in Houston, Texas today. And they'll start uh, stay playing through tomorrow. Thank you, Charlie. And we're going to talk basketball here in a little bit. But first, we're going to have a little bit of a break. And right after this, we're going to talk about Southern Miss men's basketball season coming to a close in Birmingham in round one of the NIT. All that will be here on the 4th Street Sports Show. Back here on the 4th Street Sports Show, it's hot, y'all. And speaking of hot, Southern Miss basketball was hot this season with an insane, unbelievable turnaround this year. They played their final game of the season in Birmingham on Tuesday in the first round of the NIT where they would fall to the UAB Blazers. Dima, you and I were there as well as Austin. Uh, Dima, just what was kind of your thoughts of the game and what kind of went wrong down the stretch? Um, well, about the game, I think one thing that I was kind of telling y'all on, on the way to Birmingham was it just kind of felt surreal in a mm -hmm. sense of like, okay, you know, that Southern Miss loses to South Alabama in the Sun Belt Tournament. Okay, then, you know, you have a week off, and then you you find out you're playing on the road in a team that was picked to win the Conference USA in a really, really talented UAB roster. You get on a bus the next morning, and you're just headed to Birmingham, ready to play that game. You don't know the status of Neftali. You don't, I mean, you, there's a lot of things you're just unknown, and Jay Ladner was even saying that in the post-game press conference, like, We've only played one game in, like, what was it, 17 days? And in basketball, it's hard to, hard to you know, continue chemistry in that sense. And it felt like Southern Miss really did come out and play really well to start that game. Um, I thought they were in position to, to win the game in, in certain areas. Um, it felt like they, they were able to withstand certain UAB runs. I mean, you had UAB go ahead by eight, I think, there in late in the second half, and then Southern Miss went on a quick 6-0 run, and it was a two-point game or something at halftime. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, the turnovers uh, just got to them as they, as they had towards the end of the season um, with, what was it, 30, 30 points off of turnovers for UAB, yeah. and then 50 points in the paint. I mean, that's you're not going to win many games on the road <coughs> allowing 50 points in the paint. And, you know, so it is what it is, but it, it doesn't take away anything from... Uh, from their season, and, and, and you know, you can make arguments. Maybe Naftali is out there, it's different. He may can be on Jelly Walker more than uh, Mo or whatever, but or you can make that argument. South Alabama, there's a lot of things that you could make the argument on, but there wasn't a lot of Slimmers fans that were like, oh, doggone it, like, this is a horrible season, you know? Like, it was an incredible, incredible masterpiece of a season that nobody, I was telling y'all when we stood on that court after the game, I said, no, um, in the post game reaction video, nobody expected us to be standing here right now. No. We're in the first round of the NIT. I mean, it just was an incredible season, and you have to give him props. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I'm, I'm honestly personally glad that got to kind of be a part or yeah, just, yeah. you know, cover this kind of season. You know, uh, goes down as one of the most historic single-season turnarounds in college basketball history, and that's pretty wild to say. And, you know, we were uh, there to see it, just the uh, just whole total reset. I mean, you saw it, just the fans bought in just in one season. So um, even though we're all graduating, it's going to be interesting to kind of continue uh, to follow this program and kind of see how they continue that. I think that's a big question now. Um, you know, Coach Ladner is busy uh, going out recruiting the coaching staff right now, but they've also got a pretty good core to work with, still retaining a lot of the guys, and it's going to be exciting. Uh, to see who they bring in. You know, the transfer portal is uh, open right now. Lots mm -hmm. of guys hit the transfer portal. Um, they brought in a lot of talent through the portal, so I'm pretty sure we'll see some new guys in there as well and kind of continuing to build on what they've got. Oh, yeah. After the game, Jay Ladner said that going into next season, the main needs were a four and a five. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely what he's going to attack, probably through the transfer portal as well because that proved to be successful. But, yeah, UAB was just a really good team. Like, that was a tournament-worthy team, and with only a couple days' notice, that, that's just a tough draw. But still a remarkable season for Southern Miss in basketball. And we're going to talk more Southern Miss basketball here shortly because we are going to be talking to the head strength and conditioning coach for the men's basketball team and soccer, the Southern Miss soccer team, Tony Brutovsky. Uh, we're going to welcome him to the show right after this. Don't, don't move that dial. This is the 4th Street Sports Show. Welcome back to the 4th Street Sports Show. It is 88 degrees in this studio. Uh, seems to be a recurring theme. The hottest show at Southern Miss Radio. But it's time to bring in our very special guest. We welcome the head strength and conditioning coach for basketball and soccer at Southern Miss, Tony Brutovsky. Tony, welcome to the show. How's everybody doing? I'm excited to be here. Appreciate y'all awesome. asking me. Me Good. too. Thank we, you. We've always kind of wanted to talk from this perspective because we know Definitely. that you know all, there's a lot of work that goes behind mm -hmm. uh, the scenes that lots of people don't really talk about. So we're excited to kind of talk about that. Absolutely. You've served here since June of 2021. Your previous experience, Southeast Missouri State, Louisiana Tech, and you even served as an intern with the New York Jets in 2016, just to name a few. Can you just kind of talk about that experience? What kind of led you here to Southern Miss? Definitely. Um, you guys did your homework because I don't know if that's uh, in my bio anywhere. LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn, baby. <laughs> These guys are legit. Um, but yeah, my resume is pretty extensive at this point. I'm relatively young in the coaching world, but I got an early start. So I always knew what I wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach. I actually started college at the University of Central Arkansas. I played football there for two years. Um, decided to transfer back closer to home. I grew up in New Jersey, uh, knowing that I wanted to be a strength coach. So once I stopped playing ball, I immediately inserted myself into, into the weight room. I was a volunteer strength coach my junior and senior year at East Stroudsburg. Um, little known Division II school up there, but they're big in strength and conditioning, which was my big draw to come up there because they sent people to a lot of places. They had people in the MLB, people working in the NFL, so it was very appealing to go up there and uh, learn from those those guys and girls and, uh, you know, be a part of that. So after I graduated East Stroudsburg, well, right during that time, I was actually an intern at Ole Miss, so this is my kind of second stint in the state of Mississippi. I was uh, at Ole Miss the summer of 2015 working for men's basketball uh, as a strength conditioning intern. Finished that, went back to East Stroudsburg. They offered me the GA spot pretty much on the 
on the spot because um, they knew I had experience coming in and they wanted me to stay. So it was a no-brainer for me to stay. I stayed on at East Stroudsburg University, was a GA there. Uh, during that time, I was also an intern at UConn, and then I interned for the New York Jets, which you mentioned, which uh, was everything you thought would be. Growing up in New Jersey, I actually grew up a Jets fan, so the opportunity to work for the New York Jets was a dream come true. Um, the head strength coach at the time, Justice Gallick, he's a big mentor of mine, somebody who, you know, welcomed me in, you know, taught me the ropes of how to be a professional strength coach. Obviously, it's a little bit different than the college world just because there's a lot of money involved and big-time athletes and, you know, safety is absolutely the number one priority up there because uh, I remember my first week up there, I was spotting a player, and I just remember thinking I'm spotting $4 million right now. I mean, you can't mess this up, so you got to be locked in. And the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from working with there is everybody in that building was one of 32 of the best in the world at, at what they do. Mm. And that type of highly competitive environment was a place I wanted to be and mm. somewhere that pushed me outside of my comfort zone because every day was game day up there. You had to be your best every single day. There were no bad days. It just wasn't allowed. You just had to make things happen. So leaving the professional world, coming back to college, uh, just tried to take that mentality with me that every day is game day. Everything's really important. Um, and then, you know, make where you're at the professional level. Obviously, you know, uh, the college world has different restrictions and limitations on what you can do, what you can't do. But um, if you act like you're in a professional environment, then that's what it's going to be. And that's what's going to be like and getting the players to buy in is the same deal because they know you have that professional experience and that's everybody's ultimate goal is to get to the league right a lot of our guys they have aspirations of playing in the nba or our girls want to play in the wnba or our soccer players they want to play professionally here or professionally overseas so they have that mentality it's in them so if you've been in that world you know they want to learn from you and get that experience yeah, just talking about getting those players to buy in. Something I've heard from numerous players across different sports is that the strength coach pushes them the most, but they're also their favorite. You know, personally, I would, I probably wouldn't be a fan of the strength coach. Like, <laughs> hey, run here, run here, lift here. But getting the players ready, how do you get them to buy in? And what's, how do you build that relationship with them and getting them, getting them to buy in? Definitely no. That's a great point because the weight room is a place where you get rewarded later, right? It's, mm -hmm. You put in the work mm -hmm. now and you get paid later. It's not instant gratification. It's something that you have to do consistently over time if you want to improve. So to get that buy-in early on, you just have to explain to them what we're doing and why we're doing it and how this is going to help you on the court, how this is going to help you on the field. Like, we're not just here to lift weights. We didn't bring you to, to Southern Miss to be a weightlifter, right? We want you to get bigger, faster, stronger. This way, you can be more resilient. You could play longer. You could play harder. And then your skills will improve on the court or on the field. And then you'll reach your goals out there a lot faster the harder you work in here. But once they start seeing those early gains, it's like you got them. I mean, they'll they'll believe anything that you're trying to tell them that you're trying to teach them because they see the results and that's what they want to see they want to see results they want to know that they're getting better they're better they want to know that the work they're putting in now is helping them in the future so the earlier you could teach them like when their freshman year you come in teach them show them the ropes sometimes there's a little bit of hand holding just because you want to make sure they're doing things properly but once they start seeing those gains um and they see themselves getting bigger faster stronger um you know to say less it's kind of addicting like you you want to get better you want to put the work in and then those kids are the ones that start wanting to do extra because they know it's going to pay off for them you know you were part of the the, the basketball team this season that everybody just kind of fell in love with it was a wild season as you heard us talk about just a few minutes ago 
Can you just speak about what it was like just to be a part of that and being able to really be in there with most of those guys and helping them get prepared for each game? Definitely. It was great. And, you know, like you guys mentioned before, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work, a lot of things that the people didn't see this year. Because last year really started this time last year, last March, with the guys that decided that they wanted to stay. So, you know, next week we'll start back up training for next year. But taking it back a year, um, we had seven guys in the weight room at this point in time last year. Seven guys that wanted to stay, that wanted to train, that wanted to put the work in. So that was kind of the core, the foundation, because we had seven weeks of training before uh, school let out last year. So that's some time to improve. So the guys were really bought in because you know that they wanted to be there. Everybody knows the year we had prior, um, you know, something that you're you were truly tested if you want to be here or not. So if you chose to come back, you were going to put the work in. So we worked those whole seven weeks guys really improved they got bigger their bodies changed um setting us up for the summer the summer was kind of odd in the sense that we still didn't have a whole team yet so the way college basketball works we get the whole team back on campus the first week of june so your whole roster is supposed to be there freshmen transfers whoever you got coming in you're supposed to be fully loaded at that point in time first week of june we had nine players so we we still didn't have a full roster and every week we kind of added a guy and maybe every 10 days or so added a new, a new guy here or there, transfer a guy who had to wait to graduate or things of that regard. Some overseas players, some international players, we had to kind of wait on them to get there over the summer. So it's kind of odd that, you know, we were getting a new player every week. So trying to kind of build chemistry or, you know, that kind of bonding that happens in the weight room of doing hard things together. It was a little different because we were getting a new player every single week. So the challenge for me was trying to get them up to speed because the returners only already had 10 to 12 weeks of training at that point in time. And we had a guy coming in wherever he was coming from, kind of in a detrained state, you know, looking for a new school, not uh, training with the team, maybe working out on their own at home. But trying to get them up to speed was the biggest challenge uh, of this year because I've never had it uh, kind of a shotgun start as we did this year. But it, it was kind of refreshing because the guys came in hungry. Whoever we brought in came in hungry, ready to train, ready to work. And, you know, we worked our tails off all summer um, to prepare us for the fall. And we just kind of kept building, tried to build some momentum, win every single day, kind of stack good days. We said stack the good days together. We didn't really want any bad days or any strings of bad days. So that all started back last March. And, you know, shout out to the guys that stayed, that put in the work because not many people knew what was going on or what our future was going to be or how good we could be or who our identity was at that point in time. But all we knew was to work. So we just worked hard and put our head down and just kept, kept building from there. And with your experience, you probably, you know, know what works, what doesn't. But uh, during that time period, you know, where everybody's trying to, you know, turn things around in the program, you know, how are you trying to improve the uh, strength program and just, you know, help those guys out? Definitely. Um, that's a great question because I actually changed up what I did this year in season. So a typical in-season model, you know, you train in the weight room two days a week. You're trying to prepare for games, keep guys fresh, obviously try to maintain strength. Um, but you kind of taper down the days in the weight room as you get closer to the season. So the off-season will train four days a week, preseason three days a week, in-season two days a week. That's a, a pretty standard college model right there. But this year, Coach was... Uh, looking for everybody's best and I knew that there was a better way that we can do things then this is something I've wanted to do for a while I just didn't have the resources to do it it's called microdosing. Um, the person who inspired me is Corey Schlesinger he's the head strength coach for the Phoenix Suns and he's really big on what's called microdosing. so instead of having two lifts a week about each one being 45 minutes to an hour 
you do what's called microdosing and you break it up and you're lifting every single day. So we lifted every day this year. We had 122 lifts this season as compared to what would have been 54 if we did it the old model. So our lifts were only 15 to 25 minutes every day. We were kind of in and out. That was their warm up before practice. So we come in, do some mobility, do some activation work, do our strength movements, do a little extra stretch and then go straight to the court. 15 to 25 minutes every single day. Uh, for the entire season and I just think it's a, a way better model because it allows us to do more over time so by the end of the week you know we're still getting our two hours plus of training it's just easier for them to recover within the day day to day week to week month to month because basketball season is a long point in time you know we're in season for 25 plus weeks and that's you know half the calendar year right there so the majority of your time spent in season so that training in season you could argue is the most important time of year. Everybody will tell you, you know, off season is the most important time to train. And yeah, that's when you'll make your most gains. But in season, you're in there the longest point in time. You might have an eight week block uh, over the summer or in the fall, but the longest uninterrupted training block is in season because it's usually about 25 weeks plus, depending on how far you go postseason. So I kind of changed up the, the way I did things and I thought we had a lot of success with it. Guys felt really good. They were able to keep improving strength throughout the entire year. We actually hit our highest squat numbers in season than we did at any point in time during the off season. It was just a gradual progression. So every week, uh, you know, we'd kind of progress our intensity and, you know, keep the volume low, but make sure the guys are staying strong, staying fresh. And they liked it because they only had to lock in for 15 to 25 minutes in weights and then go practice because it's tough going from an hour weight session to a two, two and a half hour practice. Um, you know, guys get hungry, they get tired, they get sore within that day. It's just an easier way for the guys to recover between sessions. That's pretty interesting. I, I think I've seen st stuff from the uh, Suns. I think people were making kind of fun of them, like doing stuff after uh, games what's, too. Uh, what's awesome, they actually bring a squat rack out on the court. They bring weights to the court. They have, uh, they travel with it, which is cool because they put it straight on the court. But they'll, like you mentioned, they'll do a lot of strength work after the game which you say, hey, you're probably tired, what's this, that, whatever. But the way Corey explains it, it makes a lot of sense. You want to keep your high stress days high and your low stress days low. So obviously game day is the highest amount of stress you're going to you know, receive during the week. The stress of the game, the fast action, the fast pace. So let's keep that whole day high. They'll hit their strength work after the game. So obviously it's not going to take away from the game that just happened. They'll hit what they have to hit. Obviously, they're not going in there doing super high volume. They'll just maybe do a single or a double at a heavy weight or something, do that, and then they could keep their low days low. They can keep the off days off. Because if you got to come in and train the next day on what your off day is supposed to be or recovery day, you never have a recovery day because every day is a high-intensity day at that point in time. So if you're going to keep your high days high, keep your low days low, this way they can rest, recover, travel in that sense, and not have to worry about doing that type of stuff. So you kind of talked about like this philosophy, you know, microdosing, but um, a lot of coaches have come on here and talked about fitting um, the work, you know, the programs to the individual. Is that something, you know, you prioritize or, you know, how do you tackle um, trying to each case, uh, yep. you know, each player's case? Absolutely. And that's why I love working with basketball because the roster size is pretty small. So we'll have 15 to 16 players, and then I have a staff that works for me. I have a GA, and I was lucky enough to have two interns this year. So we had four strength coaches in the weight room uh, for 16 players. So that's a one-to-four uh, coach-to-athlete ratio. And I like everything to be individualized, hands-on. <laughs> a good example, I, I train men's and women's basketball and soccer as well. Um, we'll have basketball players that range from 5'4", 
which would be on the women's side, to 6'9 on our men's side. So completely different body types, completely different needs. Um, you know, and we all use the same equipment. And that's kind of what trips people up. All the, the strength training equipment is the same, but it's not built for everybody. It's not, you know, made for our 6'9 guys with the 7'1 wingspan. You know, they, they don't take that into consideration when they're manufacturing barbells or other types of strength equipment. So that's a big challenge, but it sets the guys up to be successful. So we're going to give the guys or the girls uh, what they need, essentially. So a great example would be, I mentioned our main lower body strength movement was squat this year. And we would have four different types of squats going on at the same time. We'd have guys front squatting, guys back squatting, guys goblet squatting, uh, and guys doing rear foot elevated split squats. So a lot of different stuff going on, but it fit the need for that player. So we do look at it on a case-by-case basis. It's not a cookie-cutter program. I don't just post it on the wall and say, hey, here's today's workout. Every player gets their own lift card with their name on it, and it's individualized to them. I'm not saying I write 15 or 16 different programs, but there might be 15, 16 modifications within that program, right? Mm-hmm. We all still need to train for strength. We all need to train, uh, you know, train to put on size if that's one of our goals. But the way we get there might be different athlete to athlete, uh, team to team, kind of depending on what their needs are. Previous injury history is also a big one because, you know, nowadays we get a lot of transfers. Some older guys, third year, fourth year guys who've been through strength and conditioning programs they might come in banged up or have had a surgery in the past and that's something we try to figure out figure out early on this way we can give them the best movement for them to set them up for success because ultimately they came here to play ball right they're not here to lift weights like like we talked about earlier but we do individualize things as much as we can um sometimes we'll split the room i'll be with you know a certain type that you know the heavier load guys the guys are squatting four or five plus i want to be there make sure i'm spotting that and then, you know, I'll have an intern with the guy squatting with dumbbells or the girl squatting with dumbbells or things of that nature. So we do try to make it individualized to the player as much as we can. Right, right. And we got about 30 seconds here, but you're obviously looking at the big picture here with basketball and soccer when you're training these players. Is there a player from each sport that maybe stuck out to you that said, hey, that, that's really impressive. Somebody that really went hard, maybe exceeded expectations in the weight room. Man, we have a lot of those players actually from all three of those teams. I don't think it'd be fair to them to, to name just one because I do think we have a really good culture in the weight room over there, over in the Coliseum where we train men's basketball, women's basketball, and women's soccer. I think it's a place that our players want to be and they want to work hard because they see the results. Um, you know, I can name off way more players that work hard than players that don't work hard. So uh, to answer your question, I can't just name one. That's a, a tough question. I know you want me to. Uh, people <laughs> ask me all the time, but I just don't think it's fair to the – all the players that do it because I can't name just one uh, that separates from everybody else. I think that's the right answer in all honesty. Tony Brutovsky, the head strength and conditioning coach for Southern Miss basketball and soccer. Thank you for joining us, Tony. Thanks a lot, guys. I do, before we cut off, want to ask, because it's a big question right now. When's the beard coming off? Oh, okay. You asked it. Yeah, I had to ask it. People want a date um, since I'm on the air right now. I'll say it'll be gone by next Wednesday. How about wow. that? A week wow. from Wednesday, it'll be gone. Wow. So enjoy it on YouTube. Enjoy it right now. A week from Last Wednesday. time you're seeing it. There we go. <laughs> enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate you guys. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Thank you. All right. We'll name our 4th Street Player of the Week and much more after this break. This is the 4th Street Sports Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the show. We're now giving flowers. 
It's that time of the show back here on 4th Street Sports Show, doing a little Austin Lindsay impression. Who is sadly not here? We've got the flowers. This is the flower section brought to you by University Florist and Gifts on Highway 49 in Hattiesburg. There's going to be a very special someone getting these flowers. The contenders today. Danny Lynch from baseball. He had four hits and four RBIs in four games. Good week for Danny. Cross Sively. He pitched three innings against Southeastern Louisiana. Three strikeouts, no hits, no runs, and then closed it out against Texas State. Three and a third innings pitched, three strikeouts, two hits, also no runs. Good week for Cross. And then we have got women's golf, Charlie. Momoka Ando, like I said, uh, finished 33rd place, top finisher for uh, the Golden Eagles at their collegi uh, Mountain View Collegiate. So good good event for her. And also uh, Kanaya Seals finished mm -hmm. first in the 100-meter race and third in the 200-meter race at the South Alabama Invitational. All worthy contenders here. Good weeks by all four of those players. Is it time for a drum roll? I think it's time for some ice. It's time, it's time for some ice cream. Yeah, I'm getting ice cream. Yeah. And the winner and two-time hey. Fort Street Sports Show Player of the Week, Cross Sively. You are this week's Four Street Sports Show Player of the Week. Good job. A two-time winner. True and freshman. True freshman, yeah. first year at Southern Miss. Uh, def he, he's really turned into the anchor of that bullpen. When they need strong outings, he, he's they go He's been to the him. only consistent player. He really has been. Yeah, like, besides Billy. He may have had like an, a shaky outing like his second one, but overall, like, yeah. I mean, just look at the percentage. This guy's passing with an A yeah, if you were to like grade it. funky arm action. Yeah. It was just hard to hit. Mm. They can't touch him. They don't win that Texas State game without him. Like, no. just unbelievable performance. You deserve these flowers crossed. And elsewhere... Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take this one. We usually don't talk about recruitments, no. but um, I've been doing a little track and field coverage uh, outside of here. And I got a couple weeks ago, I got to see, um, you know, when you go somewhere, you just see people that like stand out. You're like, this person's, you know, top of the pack. There was this one guy, and uh, he actually committed to Southern Miss. His name is Maximus uh, Littleton. He's inside the top five in all three of the jump categories in the state, uh, leads all jumpers in the high jump, and actually earned field uh, performer of the meet award at the Southern Miss High uh, uh, Southern Miss High School Invitational that they hosted a couple weeks ago. So probably impressed the coaches there. Yeah. So, I mean, we might start highlighting some more, you know, incoming recruits because definitely uh, have some, you know, Really cool talent, really uh, good good players coming to Southern Miss right now. Absolutely. And former Southern Miss cornerback Cornell Armstrong recently re-signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, <laughs> nah, they're signing everybody. Around. Yeah, they are. But uh, good for Cornell. He had 33 tackles and seven passes defended in nine games last season. Uh, I know Nick Mullins also yeah. re-signed with Minnesota, so he continues to be the best quarterback on that roster. Uh, <laughs> no disrespect, Kirk Cousins. But anyway, we want to give another... All the disrespect. Yeah, I mean, you know. He's better than Dak Prescott, they could, start, they could start Nick on Monday nights. And yeah. that, that's what you do. You know, you got the noon nightmare and then... <laughs> the noon nightmare. All right. Anyway, shout, shout out. out. 
shout out, shout out to the top performers at track this week who finished first in their events. We've got Dylan Evans, Jared Williams, Omar Austin, Kenaya Seals, and Sophia John. Sophia John. They all grabbed first place. So congratulations to them. And you know, I'm gonna have to bring y'all. I'm gonna be Charles last year. Charles uh, went to the Southern Miss track meet. That's coming up. I think. I don't want to say next week, but it's sometime soon. I think we, I think we got to stop by track and yeah. see what it's all about. I'm yeah. actually honestly liking it. You're our, our, guy. You're our yeah. track and field guy. It seems like every Saturday you're at a high school event or yeah, a college it's event. Been, it's been really cool. You know, uh, Austin actually, if he was here, would tell you he ran track. Um, so I mean, there's a there's a lot of multi. Uh, Y'all didn't know that? Yeah, lot, lots of multi uh, sport athletes in high school that play track. Or do track, so it's been it's been cool to see. He's not here. He's at the strip club. He yeah, might have yeah. been the only good athlete they had at Jim Hill at the time. <laughs> oh no! God, I think he'd be better at track than the Dallas Cowboys are at football. Mm, probably. I, I mm. think he was on the football team, and George he County was. was not good, and we destroyed them twice. A little so. little George County bias over yeah, here. I had my jacket on, but it was so daggum hot here. <laughs> it is ninety degrees. We, here. Yeah, we're about to go, but it, it is it is actually almost eighty nine. So. Yeah, it's, it's hot in the kitchen. I think it's affecting our brain power at this point. Yeah, you know, maybe next week we can get it to like a nice 68 degrees. It's yeah. probably too cold anyway. I would <laughs> much rather that than this. Absolutely. Um, I kind of feel bad for Tony. <laughs> he was yeah. in a jacket. It was, Tony, Tony said he liked it, though. Yeah. He said he Tony liked it. He probably likes the sweat, let's be real. That's the grind, yeah, so to speak. But anyway... <laughs> That's it here for the 4th Street Sports Show. On behalf of the Nate Dog, Nathan Lee, Dima Mixon, oh. Charlie Luttrell, I am Jackson Howell. This is the 4th Street Sports Show. We'll see you next week. Come back next Monday at 5 on Southern Miss Radio. 4th Street Sports, baby. <laughs>